Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. My name's Stan, and I am excited to have you here. Happy Father's Day. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the amazing fathers in the room and online, and all the average fathers as well. Yeah, clap the fathers. Yeah, go ahead. I fit in the average category, by the way, when I just welcomed the amazing ones and the average ones. When I was uh, growing up, like most uh, young people, I pondered the thought, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? Anybody think about that? Anybody ask that question? Anybody still asking that question even though you're 40 plus, right? And when I was trying to answer that question, I had all the typical answers. I wanted to be a pro athlete, and I figured I was not average enough even to make that happen. And then, of course, a policeman and a fireman. And one of the things I landed on was actually being a lawyer because I love to argue, right? Anybody want a good debate? Come see me. We'll, we'll, we'll get that on. And I didn't, obviously, I didn't become a, a lawyer, uh, but uh, this is probably closest thing I could get uh, to that. So what did you want to be when you grow up? Turn to the person beside you. Tell them what you wanted to be when you were growing up, when you were still a kid. What did you want to be? If you're online, type it in the chat. I wanted to be this. Okay, next question. Next question. Did you achieve that? Did you make it? Yeah, anybody? Raise your hand if you made it, if you achieved what you wanted to be when you grew up. Good. It's quite a few. Hey. Statistics tell us that 67% of people don't achieve what they wanted to be when they were growing up. And I actually thought that number was, uh, uh, that the number of people that do achieve it, 33% then, was actually a bit high because kids have tremendous aspirations. Look at what kids want to be when they grow up. We divided this up for men and women. Most little boys want to be a professional athlete when they grow up, Right? And the percentage of those that make that is extremely low. And most women, most little girls, want to be a teacher when they grow up. How crazy is that, teachers? Right, right? Tell them now, don't do that. Right, anyway. So, so and, and both wanted to be a doctor is number two. I'm sure that's all about money. And then uh, uh, most little boys want to be a musician because they like to play the drums. I'm sure about that one. Uh, and then a police officer, a business owner, and you can see the women, they want to be veterinarians and movie stars, writers. What I love, that's the top five. Number six for boys. Guess what number six for boys was? A superhero. Yeah, how good is that? How good is that? So, you know, when we think about what we want to be uh, when we grow up, when we try to answer that question, you know what the real question that we should be asking or what's really in the back of our mind or deep in our soul. It's not what do you want to be when you grow up. It's who are you going to be when you grow up. Because see, when we say, see all these things, we're talking about an identity. And far too often our profession uh, dictates our identity or informs our identity and those kinds of things. But really, we're all in a search for identity. As a young person, but then sometimes it follows us on through life. And sometimes we live our whole life and never understand the identity. Many are still in search of that today. 
And today, we're going to work on discovering that. Last week, we began a series uh, called Genesis, How the World Began. And we started by looking at how God created the world. But today, we're going to see him create the first human being. And we're going to discover what our true identity is, what your identity is, and what mine is as we look at, at it through the Word of God. So if you got your Bibles with you, anybody got a paper Bible with you? I'm just curious. All right, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, right, on your phones. Genesis chapter 1. Look at the screen for Genesis chapter 1. It's in verse 26. It says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the earth. If you were here last week, you understood that Creation happened day by day, and if you didn't get that, go back and listen to the podcast or, or go to the uh, YouTube channel, watch that. But the creation of human beings was different than all of the other things that got created. There was a consultation that happened before that happened, before God created humans. You see what he says there? He said, let us make human beings in our image. There was a conversation going on. And immediately, if, if you're a thinker, when you hear, see that verse, it says, let us make human beings in our, or humans in our image. Who are we talking to? Who is God talking to? Who's the us? Who's the our? Anybody else pick that up as I was reading that? You thought, hang on a minute. God, who's he talking to? Is it the angels? Well, I would suggest to you, that this reveals something about the nature of God. It reveals that he is a trinity. He's three in one. Now, we don't have that directly in that verse that it's three, but other scriptures, throughout scripture, we see God expressed in different forms. We see him expressed as the Father. We see him expressed as Son, who is Jesus, and we see him expressed as the Holy Spirit. We know that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, which we landed on last week, that the Holy Spirit was present hovering over the face of the earth. And we know if we look in Acts chapter 5, we see a story, and you got to go read this for yourself because you won't believe it just because I'm saying it. But in Acts chapter 5, we see two people named Ananias and Sapphira. And they both got struck dead for lying, okay? So you need to tell the truth, kids, right? But they got struck dead for lying. And when Peter confronted them right before they died, he said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then one verse later, he's saying the exact same thing. And he said, you haven't lied to me. You've lied to God. He used the Holy Spirit and God interchangeably. So we see that the Holy Spirit and God, same person. And then in Genesis or John chapter 1 in the New Testament, John says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later on in that chapter, we see that the Word was Jesus. The Word was God. Jesus was God. John chapter 1 verse 3 says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus was at creation as well. The Holy Spirit was at creation, and God the Father was at creation. Now, you completely understand the Trinity, right? 
right? These are not three separate gods. You need to understand that. They are three in one. And every illustration is going to fall down and not do it justice. But about the best I can do is tell you, if you look at an egg, it has a shell, it has a white, and it has a yolk. It's an egg, okay? Water has different forms. It can be liquid, it can be solid when it's frozen, or it can be a vapor when it's steam, right? It's three, but it's all still water, right? So kind of think about God that way, only amplify that, magnify that, because he is holy and righteous and great and amazing and all that. God is three uh, in one. So then it tells us that God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So we see God is the creator, creating man, humans, in his image. Humans, you and I, are created in God's image. So what does that mean? Well, that means for you and for me that humans are a reflection of God, okay? So we go back. Remember, God is three in one. That's expressed in several different ways in humans, and theologians actually disagree about exactly what that means. But I would suggest to you that the most simple form is we are body, that's physical, we are soul, that's the eternal part of us, and we are spirit, that's the part that animates us, that gives us breath, gives us life here on this earth. So when we see man created, or humans created in God's image, we are uh, unique God created us uniquely. It separates us out. The immaterial things, the soul and spirit that I just mentioned to you, that's what separates us from the animal world. That's what makes us different than dogs and cats. And do dogs go to heaven cats? I don't know. It's not important about our context today. We are different than animals. See, we are equipped to have dominion over the earth. That's what God said. Let's create man, let's create humans to have dominion, to have reign over all the earth. We are also equipped to have a relationship with him as our maker. So when we consider that we are in the image of God, that gives us a morality, a sense of right and wrong. It gives us rationality, our ability to reason. And we are also spiritual. It gives us the ability to relate to God. So when we consider the three parts that make us up, we are mental, we are moral, and we are relational. Let me unpack that for you a little bit. Mentally, humans have the ability to reason and make choices. That is a reflection of God's intellect. Anytime someone invents a machine, designs a building, writes a book or paints a landscape, anytime you enjoy a symphony or a concert, anytime you enjoy worshiping God together like we did here, anytime someone calculates an interest rate or even names a pet, we are demonstrating, he or she is demonstrating that they are created in the image of God. Think about that. Everything that we do that that takes intelligence, mentally, we are showing that we're made in the image of God. Morally, morally, human beings are created, were created in perfect innocence. We have a conscience. We have a moral compass. Most of us do anyway. We have a moral compass, a sense of what's right and what's wrong. It tells us what's evil. It also tells us what's good. It tells us when we can praise something and give something honor because it is good. 
It's that thing that gives us a sense of guilt or shame when we've done something wrong. And you know, the mental and the moral, do you know those actually interact together? Mental and moral interact because we make choices to do evil or to do good. And the mental and moral interaction causes us to create laws and rules that govern life. You see how this is working together? Our mental capacity and our moral capacity being made in the image of God allows us to do these things. We're also like God relationally. Humanity was created for fellowship, and that reflects God's nature in the Trinity, but it also reflects his love. In the garden, when he created man and woman, the primary relationship was with God. God made a woman because he said it's not good that man should be alone. He created everything else all through there. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. He created man, said, huh, yeah, it's not good that he's alone. We were created to be relational beings. So every time someone marries, every time someone makes a friend, every time someone gives a kid a hug, don't do that if it's not your kids at church, by the way, we are safe church. We are demonstrating the image of God because of the relationships that we're involved in. So I thought about this this week and I thought, why? Why did God create us in his image? You know, the animals were kind of do fine. They obey God. They do whatever God wants. Why, why did he create us in his image, in his likeness? What was he trying to accomplish there? Why did God create us in his image? I want you to think for a moment about uh, any sculptors in the building or online. I doubt it. That's kind of a fashion that's gone out. But think about the, the statues outside the MCG. For those of you in Melbourne, for those not in Melbourne, think about statues in your city, wherever you're at in the world. Think about those statues. Why are they there? Or think about it this way. If you take a photo of someone and you put it on your social media, why are you doing that? Because you want people to see that image. You want people to think something about that image or that person that you've created the sculpture or put the social media post out there. You want people to look at it, to notice it, and you want them to think something about it. So what if you decided to put 8 billion statues all over the world, what would you be trying to accomplish? There's 8 billion people on the planet, so give or take a few, okay? What would you be trying to accomplish? That's what God has done in putting 8 billion people on the planet. He's saying, I want people to see me. I want people to know me. I want people to understand me. So he put statues, if you will, we're animated, we got soul and spirit and all that. The illustration falls down there. All over the world so that people could see God, could know him, could communicate about him and understand him. When people see us, they see image bearers of God. You know, it works the other way. When we see people, we are looking at an image bearer of God. Friends, that is very, very significant. As image bearers of God, the next logical question is this. How do we live out our identity? That's our identity. Remember, we're searching for identity. We're image bearers of God. That's it. How do we live that out as image bearers of God? How do we live out our identity? Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. We'll pick up the account in verse 28 where it says this. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply 
Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Pause for a second. For all of you that are vegetarians and vegans, original creation applauds you, right? That's what God's original plan was. Thankfully, in Genesis chapter 9, he blew that up, all right? And he said, start, start eating the animals. You know, we're going to talk about the curse in a couple of weeks. Pastor DeHan's going to talk about that. And let me just go on record as saying, and Simon, don't play this over and over again. All right, please. But, but that, that's the part of the curse we need to embrace, okay? That we, that we can now eat meat. We don't have to be vegetarians anymore. Anyway, where was I? Um, oh, wow, okay. Oh, food. There we go. Verse 30. I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals and birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life, and that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw it was very good. And the evening passed, and morning came, making the sixth day. As human beings created in the image of God, we have responsibilities. We are a reflection of God, but we have responsibility. How do we reflect God. First of all, we are called in verse 28 to reproduce, reproduce, to create community. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he said, He blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God created life, and then He gave human beings the command to partner with Him to keep that going. Because God wanted life to keep going. He wanted people to keep being born, the continuation of life. The multiplication of humanity ensures that the image of God keeps getting passed on through generation after generation. Remember, we're image bearers of God. So if we don't reproduce, then that image dies out eventually. That's why God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. Each new person carries the fingerprints of God. They are image bearers of God. You know, I was thinking this week in, in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Man's breath. He didn't do that for the animals when he created the animals. He breathed his breath, the breath of God, into man. And every man and every woman that has been born ever since has that breath passed on. We are animated. We are given life by the very breath of God, every person that's created, every person that's born. You know, this highlights the value of each individual life. God wants image bearers, and he didn't want just two. He wanted billions of image bearers. As we think about being image bearers of God and the re reproduction God wants us to do that because we're creating family. We're creating community. But I want to suggest to you that multiplication is more than just making babies. Multiplication is nurturing. Multiplication is training up kids, being there for them. Now, I've got people in the room. I see people in the room, and I know there's people online who would desperately love to have a child. And you think, hang on a minute. If this is a responsibility, I've been trying to have a child and I can't. What, what's up with that? Friends, 
my heart goes out to you, especially on a day like today, on Father's Day. If you're somebody who wants to be a father, and even if you want to be a mother, and you, and you haven't been able to yet, my heart does go out to you. But can I suggest that multiplication is more than just making babies? That you can be multiplying by being a part of the nurturing and the training up of children that are in your realm of influence and in your life. Aunties and uncles and friends that can raise up kids partnering with their parents. Friends, there are about 100 kids across the courtyard over there. You know what? They would love to have some more people that are willing to go over there and nurture them to help multiply, to help raise them up, train them up so that they can be image bearers of God, understand their responsibilities in that space. So not only, uh, and you can sign up for Kids Men after church. Mel's gonna be passing out some stuff for you guys later uh, and, uh, and you can... Uh, uh, sign up and let her know you'd love to work with kids. But we're not just created to reproduce. We're also created to work. We're created to work, to have care for creation. Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. We know that God's creation is good. Every day he said it is good, it is good, it is good. So when we care for it, we're showing our appreciation for the goodness of God. We also know that creation declares God's glory from Psalm chapter 19. And when we care for creation, we are acknowledging and honoring God's creative power and glory. We're reflecting his image in that, that his fingerprints are on every aspect. When we're caring for creation, we are stewarding it. You know, we were put in charge. We were to have dominion over creation. But that wasn't a license to abuse creation. He didn't put us in charge of it to abuse it. He put us in charge of it to care for it, to take after it, to, to look, take care of it and look after it, the ongoing care of his creation. But creation care involves work. It's hard work to care for creation. But, you know, there's a deep sense in every human being to want to work. Do you know that? We all want to work, and we need to work. We're going to talk next week more about the difference between men and women when it comes to work. But we inherently want to work, especially men. We're driven by that. We're identified by that too often. And we're designed, though, to work. We're created for work. Just as God created and designed the universe, he put us here to be creating and designing and caring for that universe. So through our work, we leave a legacy for those that follow behind us. We leave a legacy for our children. The quality of our stewardship of the earth affects what we pass on to our children. Here's another one I don't want you to put on loop, Simon, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not a greenie. Justin, a couple weeks ago, said we're all greenies. He doesn't know me very well then. But the quality of things that we leave behind in this earth to our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids and on and on and on will be reflected by how we care for it. So can I just encourage you to recycle, to reduce waste, to uh, do things like conserve resources, to identify where you can partner with people who are actually doing that in organizations and companies and businesses that are being good to the environment we're not only created to work and reproduce, we're also created to love, to love, to cultivate unity. In Genesis chapter 
1 verse 27, it says, male and female created he them. We'll talk about that a lot more next week. But in creating the first man and the first woman, God immediately put diversity on the planet. How many of you know that women are different than men? Yeah? Yeah, a few of us understand that concept. See, God created human beings as unique individuals, and they were one in partnership and one in purpose, but yet they were unique and distinct. See, all humans share a common origin. And we're not just talking about male and female. We're talking across races and everything. We're talking about all the diversity that we can think of and imagine. But we're all created in his image. So amongst the diversity, we have a unity that we're all created in the image of God. And that means that we need to reject things like discrimination, prejudice, divisiveness. And not only do we reject those things, but we need to embrace and cultivate an attitude of respect, of understanding, of unity across races, ethnicities, and backgrounds. See, this perspective aligns with Paul's teaching in Galatians chapter 3, which says this, In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Think about this. If you view every person on the planet through the lens that they are image bearers of God, I would suggest that would change how we interact with people. That would change how we view people. That person who looks different than you is an image bearer of God. That person who frustrates you because they cut you off in traffic is not an idiot. They're an image bearer of God, preaching to myself. See? Yeah, you laughed at me. You, did you think I wasn't going to own that? But seriously, think about all the people that you see. That person who doesn't agree with your politics is an image bearer of God. That Collingwood supporter is an image bearer of God. It's flawed, it's defaced, but hey. Finally, we're created to reproduce, to work, to love, and we're created to obey, to trust in God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 says, The Lord God warned him. You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. God created us to trust him. When God created humans, he put them in the garden and he trusted them and trusted them with dominion over the earth. Think about that for Adam and Eve. That required a deep, deep trust in God's plan and purpose. That required them to not try to do it their own way, but to lean into his way and trust him as he played things out. It required obedience. He told them, don't eat of that tree. He gave them one specific instruction. That was a test of their obedience. Trusting God involved following his guidance and his direction and staying within his boundaries. You know, we're called to do the same thing, to trust God's sovereignty, to trust God's wisdom and his goodness, and a trust that leads us to obediently follow his guidance and stay within his parameters. In practical terms, trusting God, obeying God, means substituting our will for his. 
replacing our will with his will. It means submitting to his guidance in every aspect of our lives. It means not taking matters into our own hands when we don't know how it's all going to work out. And that involves prayer, it involves studying his word, knowing him intimately, and then surrendering. For Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, you may be very familiar with, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. He created us to trust him. So what do we do with all this? On Father's Day, I'm suggesting to you that we're all doing this thing. We're doing a search for identity. Our identity is that of an image bearer of God. When people see you, when people see me, when they interact with you, they are seeing God's image. How well are we reflecting that? How well are we showing them who God is? Quick review, ways that you can reflect God's image. Create community by reproduction. Reproduce literally and figuratively. One of the two words that we use around here a lot is multiply hope. You can reproduce by multiplying hope in people's lives by partnering with people to help them take their next steps in their faith journeys. Then we want to work. We want to care for creation. Don't be lazy. Be a hard worker. Don't be careless. Embrace eco-friendly practices and support organizations that do. And then we want to love. We want to cultivate unity, love others, and embrace the beauty of the diversity without being divided. Treat everyone as image bearers of God that have dignity. And then finally, obey. Commit to trusting God. What area of life are you not trusting God in? What area of life do you need to say, I need to surrender this because I'm an image bearer of God and I've got responsibilities and one of those is to trust you, God, because you know better than I do. What if every decision you made reflected the image of God? Think about it. What if every decision you made You did it through the filter, remembering that you are an image bearer of God. Would that change your decisions? And then what what if you viewed every person through that same lens? Every person through the lens that they are image bearers of God. Would it change your relationships? Dads, if you saw your wife as an image bearer of God, if you saw your children as image bearers of God. Would it change anything? Then finally, can I encourage you and invite you today to embrace your identity, to be an influencer and make an impact. It's not just for dads, that's for all of us. We have an identity as image bearers of God. Embrace that. Be an influence and make an impact. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for creating us in your image. Lord, as I look around, and it shows me you got a sense of humor that you created me in your image and others as well. Thank you, Lord, for helping us understand that our true identity 
Lord, we search so hard trying to understand who we are. Lord, we're your image bearers. Thank you for teaching us that and helping us understand that. And Lord, help us to embrace the responsibilities that that carries with it. Lord, thank you for loving us and designing us and wanting a relationship with us. Lord, I pray for people in this room right now and people online who are hearing my voice. I pray for everyone, Lord, that they would understand who they are in you and that they would embrace the responsibilities that carries and that they would reflect you to a world who doesn't yet realize that they are also your image bearers. Lord, may we be a shining testimony, a light, a statue that reflects your image so that others can embrace their identity as well as image bearers of you. In Jesus' name, amen.